Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. It has been over a year since we brought a group into our little makeshift studio here in Nampa, and you need to listen to Ryan Curtis's performance from last week, if you haven't already. This week, I sat down and interviewed him about his new album coming out, Rust Belt Broken Heart. He was originally scheduled to release that last year. He was supposed to come in here a year ago to record a set and promote the album, but alas, pandemic. Anyway, we talked a lot about his musical stylings, his unique voice, the instrumentation that he brought into the studio, as well as some of the equipment that he used to get that unique sound. Enjoy our conversation. I want to talk about your voice because you have a very distinct voice when you perform. How long have you been working on that? When did you recognize that you have a unique voice as far as being a lead singer? Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I played in like punk rock bands in high school and um, played in, you know, a couple like acoustic project things in college, but it wasn't really, you know, like didn't, I kind of like basically got out of playing live music in my 20s and then, um, you know, right around the time I was probably like late 20s, 30s, really started, you know, I was already starting to get into a lot of like roots music, Americana and country and um that is kind of around that time, I guess you'd say I kind of found that voice or whatever, like especially I was living in California at the time and started playing with like upright bass player and fiddle player and another guitar player. And when we were playing in like circles, I'd have to kind of just yell and project a little bit more, I think, than I did before. Whereas when I was a teenager, I was just trying to, I don't know, mimic something or something and um, just kind of started belting things out and that's, I guess, how I, f I found it, I guess. I don't know. You were singing over the other musicians, essentially. It, it, pretty much. I mean, like, there's a, like, it's like a little box. There's not a lot of room. Uh, most of my songs are in, like, the same three or four, like, keys, um, which, you know, it's always, like, I always bust out a capo, which, you know, people in my band don't always love, especially if you're playing fiddle or upright bass. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, I kind of figured out what worked, and it was more of just you know, yelling to try to hit the notes to stay in key. And I think that's just kind of how I figured it out, I guess. I don't know. It's a very unique voice for country music, but you did it, you execute it well. Thank you. And it fits exceptionally well inside that album. Thank you. And that album has a great flow through from track one to track 10. Appreciate that. And how did you organize that? What, were your, what was your decision-making process? Um, for me, it, it was just kind of the feel. I mean, even when... You know, you would think that, like, half the time we play shows, we would have, like, a set set list that we stick to. But, you know, a lot of times I'll show up at a show and got my list of songs and go through and write, you know, like, set one, set two, set three, and just kind of, you know, figure it out based on the feel. And that's really kind of how that came apart. I still love the album format. In the Spotify world, it's a little different nowadays. But, you know, I, I still love listening to albums front to, you know, front to back or whatever. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, my approach to it was just kind of what felt right for me. I mean, the songs aren't necessarily like connected in a certain way. Like I didn't like write songs specifically for this album. It's more of a collection of songs that, um, some of the songs are like 10 or 12 years old on it. Um, I basically started recording it in the studio, was going to do an EP and realized halfway through that process, um, we basically went through all of our songs in the first night and was like, okay, I'm going to shoot for a record. And, um, 
the songs that I had recorded so far all kind of had a Midwest theme to it, thus Rust Belt, Broken Heart. And uh, that's kind of, I just went back through the catalog of all this unreleased material I had and picked some songs that kind of had that Midwest theme to it. Or I wrote back then or, you know, characters in my mind when I wrote it kind of took place there or whatever. Um, and that's kind of how I picked the songs. And I don't know. So it's a love letter to the Midwest. A little bit, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Did you like growing up there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in uh, a small town, uh, just outside of a small town, Rose City, Michigan. It's like 650 people. Okay. So, so you knew the same group of kids from like kindergarten all the way to absolutely. senior year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I loved growing up uh, you know, in northern Michigan. It's If you've ever been there, it's... Well, you're from Minnesota, right? So... South Dakota. South it's, Dakota. It's a lot fewer trees. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. There's like but, uh, eight, or, eight or ten of them, I think. But uh, yeah, northern Michigan's beautiful. It's like rolling hills, forests, streams, tons of rivers, lakes, that kind of stuff. And um, cool place to grow up. Uh, you know, I love, you know, I loved growing up in a small town at the time. But, you know, if you probably talked to me when I was 17, I was probably like, I can't wait to graduate and go to the city or whatever. But looking back on it, uh, I had a great time growing up. And I think that that's, you know, part of why I love Boise so much too. It's like uh, I've lived in big cities, I've lived in a small town, and then we get a little bit of the best of both because it's like enough cool things are happening like a city, but, you know, you could go to the grocery store, you're going to bump into somebody or you go down to the Neurolux to see a show, you're going to bump into a couple people you know. And if you don't, you'll just bullshit with the bartenders because you know them, you know. Yeah. And you, the other nice thing about being in a town this size is that you get to know a lot of different musicians, but there's a lot of quality musicians because it seems to be just that sweet spot. Sure, absolutely. Here. Who else helped you out on your album? Because you had Sam on bass in here, and he was great. That upright bass sounded fantastic. Yep. Right? And then Dave, he, he just seemed like a higher gun on guitar. Like, that was yeah. really smooth. He's, he's got the guns for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So Dave plays electric guitar and steel on it. Um, uh, bass and drums I actually recorded up in uh, Enterprise, Oregon. I tracked um, like nine of the ten songs uh, up there. Uh, so tracking is when you just get the the initial take with the basic instruments. Correct. So we had so we had bass and I did acoustic guitar and sang. So it's Nevada Swell on uh, on bass and Cooper Trail playing drums. Uh, both guys from uh, Astoria, Oregon. Um, they're friends of uh, my buddy Bart Budwig, who runs a studio out of this old theater up there, the OK Theater. Uh, so it's like a cool 100-year-old theater, and we kind of set up, uh, and it's just super vibey. And he spent the whole weekend recording the basic tracks to it. Uh, came down here and basically started, you know, in Boise, started recording and bringing just my different friends on it. And then, of course, yeah, things got shut down, and it got dragged out a little bit longer, but... Um, so Dave you was, got everything done though the the base the bare bones of it before exactly. everything was shut down. Yeah, and which like is the, when I spoke to you and you were really excited about getting exactly. this album out yeah. ready. And, and I mean, we had started recording stuff at that point. Like we had, um, so like Adam Strawberry playing fiddle, um, Charlie Sutton, who I used to play in a band with, Curtis Sutton the Scavengers. We used to co-front that band. He plays uh, harp on a track. He plays harp on a track that we 
uh, that didn't make the album, but I released it as a single a few months back. Um, I've got Neil Goldberg, another great guitar player in town. I'm trying to think who else was on that. Um, Tyler McFarlane, who plays guitar in my solo band here. Um, uh, Daniel Bloomfield playing keys, who's like, I don't know, probably my favorite keys player in town. Um, yeah, so we had a lot of help, you know, and a lot of like that part of the recording process was really more of me hanging out and just with bringing these guys in the studio and having them try a bunch of stuff while I'm just kind of hanging out and having a beer and being like, yeah, that's awesome. Do more of that, that kind of stuff. So so for people that are unfamiliar, you can once you get the bare bones of that track down, you can play it back into the headphones of whatever other musician and sure. they can just jam right over the top of it. Sure. Can, you can add another layer. Yeah, a- absolutely. It's like I always kind of think of it's like putting the sprinkles on things, right? And that's usually that process is doesn't take you know a year and a, <laughs> a year or so, but uh, it did in this case. But um, it gave you that extra time to have that music totally. ferment to the perfect quality. Totally, because the mixing is really solid. Thanks. It's got a solid flow through of all the tracks. It ebbs and flows as you would expect. Nothing's jarring between the tracks, but it does have that. The tracks aren't all the same. Yeah. Either it goes up and it goes down and it's very relaxed in certain points and more upbeat at others, but it's not, it's not jarring in between there. It's a good yeah. listen through no, all thanks. the way yeah. start to finish. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with just the, the rhythm section, you know, being the same. And then, uh, Dave playing steel guitar on a lot of it, you know, that kind of brings that, I just love pedal steel guitar. It's like the, the sorrowful, uh, I don't know, just uniqueness of it. So that was kind of thing that kind of connected a lot of it, which was certainly that minor twangy vibe was what we were shooting for, for sure. Nice. And one thing that we were talking about before I hit record was your vocal stylings. Besides your unique voice, you also added uh, a distortion type effect. I'm going back to Northeast Michigan. I'm going back yeah, I mean, uh, not necessarily distortion, but, you know, we, you know, it just kind of, we did a little bit post, but um, I've, we've, I've figured it out with other, like, the Weary Times record that I did before this, which is another band I'm in in town. You know, we, with that record, we actually recorded with a regular, you know, microphone and then had a bullet, like, harp mic right there and kind of blended the two. Um, what we did for the few songs that we did that on this record, we kind of did it post, but the idea was to basically put an effect on it. Like you think of like old sixties soul records where someone goes, you know, they get loud and it, it just kind of, you know, it, no, what's the word? Just kind of overdrives it, right? Overdrives yeah. an amp. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost a tube distortion type yeah, sound. Exactly. Like yeah. an old blues guitarist when he would just turn the volume up to try to get it up past yep. to the back of the, yeah. the crowd and it would naturally start to to overdrive when he would hit those high notes. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that stuff. I mean, a lot of the tones we did and, and a lot of stuff we did in the studio was, you know, meant to be, you know, it's through vintage amps, you know, ribbon mics and stuff we talked about. And, um, it, you know, I think that a lot of, for me, it's with everything that I've done, it's always about trying to take something new and, well, I don't know. I think it's, it, it's, it's older style of music, but, you know, you have all this technology now and like a lot of it you don't need. I think to me, the best stuff was in the past. So it's like, you're like almost like de-engineering something to make it sound cool, uh, a little bit more vintage or um, 
warmth, all that different type of stuff. But that's a big thing that with this record. Uh, so Brandon Wallace is the guy that engineered the second half of it. He mixed it. Um, he's like a tone freak about a lot of all that same. He's into a lot of the same stuff that I am, and it worked out pretty cool. I was pretty happy with a lot of the things that ended up on the record as far as the tonality of it and sound. So, so what other techniques did you use or what other amplifiers or microphones did you use then to give it that vintage that vintage tote because i now that i'm thinking about it and you've been talking about that you did do that intentionally it does sound like a a clash between modern and vintage yeah at Um, least the processing the engineering and the mixing end totally because it sounds like just a, a relaxed country album but it's not playing on a record yeah i mean to me the biggest the the biggest thing you know that i when i think of like modern sounding records and a um, little bit more like vintage sounding records, drums. Because like back in the day, uh, so like there's only three mic drum mics on the on the record, and like the the drums almost have like a lo-fi. It reminds me of like '70s, like Rolling Stone style. Even though there's a lot of brushes, brushwork and stuff on this, it's it wouldn't be necessarily characteristic of their music. But um, that just kind of retro drum tones. Because I mean, nowadays you put ten mics on drums, and you know, I've been in the studio before where like the drums sound like they're like on a Pearl Jam record or something like that. And like, you know, then you're almost like trying to make it sound more analog and you can put like analog filters and different stuff like that to, to, and we've done some of that on this record too. But I think starting with the drums, having a little bit, uh, lower fi I wouldn't call it lo-fi, but kind of dumbing down that sound makes a huge difference. And then, you know, all the keys we put on, we put on like kind of honky tonk piano, certainly old school style piano. Um, there's like Hammond B3, like Whirly Rhodes, like the classic 60s 70s keys tones oh they had that in the studio that you recorded um well a buddy of mine did it um but we stuck to those tones you know we weren't doing anything kind of modern or whatever and then i mean yeah fiddle acoustic guitar playing electric guitar steel guitar through an old you know old fender reverb you know or twin or whatever i mean that's that's how you get those old tones yeah for sure right on so uh what are you looking forward to next with this album? Um, so I haven't announced it yet, but uh, I have did, did recently sign with a, a record label, so I uh, can't jump on that just yet, but excited to be releasing it through them. Cool. Um, getting going to play a bunch of shows this summer. It's uh, kind of feels good that live music seems to be coming back, at least here in Idaho. Uh, everywhere, really, but uh, got a pretty much packed schedule, you know, starting in June every weekend out on the road. So uh, looking forward to that for sure. How do you prefer people listen to the album when it does come out in August? Are if, you going to have it for sale on, on Bandcamp? Or? Sure, yeah. So if you're going to, you know, pay for records, you know, you know, certainly go to Bandcamp. They definitely give a bigger cut to the artist than, you know, downloading off Apple Music or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Spotify is is what it is. I use it too. I use it all the time. I'm a big music nerd. I love going down the rabbit hole and learning a bunch of crazy stuff um i still build like there's like probably got like 300 playlists on my spotify thing i still do a lot of that stuff um so it's cool it's cool too i mean that's cool to get your stuff there too um but yeah i mean as far as physical copies uh doing vinyl um we just 
finalized all of our stuff and sent it to the printers. Um, so we'll have, you know, vinyl before the release. So in town, uh, Record Exchange, probably Modern Sounds will have them there. And then, yeah, find me at a show or you can uh, reach out and we'll send you stuff as well through the record label. Cool. Do you have that a web- I can't talk about just yet. Right on. Do you have a website <laughs> where you have your, your shows listed? Yeah, uh, it's just Ryan US or .com or something. Okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Facebook, social media, all that stuff as well. Cool. And we have Bandcamp page and SoundCloud and all that too. Right on. Well, thanks for coming on and playing that set for us, and we enjoyed recording it. Thanks, man. It was a hell of a set, and good luck this summer with your tour. I hope that this record deal takes you off to the next level, whatever that is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just excited to play some music again, and um, like I said, you know, excited, excited for this record quite a bit too, so. Cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Treasure Valley Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with friends, family members, anybody who trusts you. If you don't have a lot of people who trust you, go build some trust and tell them about Treasure Valley Podcast. Thank you.